I'm the type of person that really has learned to prioritize myself and my mental health and in that case above my business. And so that's kind of what pushed me to step away and to move into a totally different lifestyle, which is now this this freelancer life. Welcome to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast series, a series that is so much more than just a podcast series. This is a movement towards freedom in life and in work and about taking a lifestyle you know you deserve. I'm your host, Sam, and I have always admired working where you want, when you want, and how you want. Just like my guests, I found my version of the freedom lifestyle, and I'm sharing all the secrets for how you can too. The freedom lifestyle looks different for everyone. What's your free? You're listening to season three, episode 28 of the Freedom Lifestyle podcast series. And today we're talking about self-care for freedom seekers. If you're listening to this episode, when it first comes out, you'll agree that tis the season for reflection with a new year only a few weeks away. So many of us are looking back on 2018, our wins, things that challenged us memorable moments that just stood out and we'll we'll remember forever. And if you're an ambitious freedom seeker, like I'm imagining many of you are, you're likely making new goals and new resolutions for the year ahead. One thing that I have to be honest that I learned the hard way this year is what it actually takes to sustain a freedom lifestyle and being able to do it in a healthy way. Because my story involved being, you know, unexpectedly forced into freelance work, I didn't have a full roster of clients at the beginning of my journey. In fact, I barely made any money in the first few months. I lived off my savings and a small gig here and there. But when I think back on that time earlier this year, I was my healthiest me. I invested so much of my free time in doing things that were good for me, yoga, Pilates, really deep and quality conversations with people I care about, where I could be totally present. I had a morning routine nailed down and it was sacred and it was something I did every day. And I I really felt like I was living the perfect day every day. And I was preaching that and saying that. And now if I'm honest about how the last couple of months, Q4 have been of this year, that is not what my mornings have been like, felt like. I have been able to attract so much exciting new business and new clients and Freedom Lifestyle, the brand is officially a thing, which is cool, but it means that a lot of opportunities have come from that, speaking opportunities, workshops. I have been very busy and I have been distracted by the money that's coming in and the opportunities coming and the growth. And I realized that I just got right back into old habits. It's so easy to get addicted to work, especially when you're starting off your journey into entrepreneurship and freelance. You're just trying to make it work and you go all in. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been working on producing this episode for you, my listeners. And ironically, this very much became an episode for Sam, myself as well. My interviews I did Earlier this month with Kaylee and Alexa, you'll hear from them shortly. They totally have been in my head in such a good way. These were conversations that I needed to hear, and I'm guessing they might be a good topic for you to resurface as well. 
If you're part of the Freedom Lifestyle Facebook group, you'll know that this week I did a super quick, simple poll to our members asking, what activities do you do to take care of your well-being and practice self-care? The number one rated item was going for long walks, which I thought was interesting. I voted for that one as well. And then tied for second was meditation and working out. There's still time for you to go cast your vote. So go check out our Facebook group and, you know, add something that you do that is not even listed in there. Before we hop into the interviews, I want to wrap up by saying self-care, mental wellness, it isn't just something that we learn once and then forever it's stuck. So I'm hoping you at least clicked on this episode and have gotten to this part. Even if you already think I got self-care, you know, I know it, I'm woke and I'm good. These are topics that we need to revisit. They are concepts that we need to be checking in with ourselves on a fairly often basis to say, hey, are my actions reflecting the lifestyle that makes me my best me? It's something that you want to be doing proactively. And so enough about my wokeness. Let's hear from two people who spend much more time thinking about this stuff than me. First up is Alexa Meyer, who is the CEO and founder of Orchid. They are making it easier for people to take care of their mental and emotional well-being, starting by making it super simple for anyone to try out therapy and to find a therapist in their city. They do this by hosting mental health pop-ups all across the country and are on a mission to create a gym for your mind. Let's hear what she's learned through this journey and what lessons or advice that we might want to take away from her experience. Alexa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sam. I'm super excited to be here. I know. I'm so happy to finally have you on the show. We've been friends for so many years, and so it's great to kind of keep bringing our you know, business and personal lives back together. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, totally agree. Super excited and so proud of all the work you've done with Freedom Lifestyle. I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you. I was doing some research this week for this episode and congratulations are in order, I think. Are you coming up on your one year of working on your business full-time? Yeah, that's correct. I started working full-time on it uh, in January last year, so it's just about coming up. Amazing. And okay, so you've been working on it full-time for a year. How long did you have this idea for Orchid and how long were you working on it before going full-time free? Before I started Orchid, I was working and running marketing at a tech startup here in San Francisco. And I had the idea for a gym for the mind um, really from when I was uh, a lot younger. But um, while I was at Keen, I began to kind of wanting wanting to work on my own mental health. And six months before leaving to work on it full time, I just became super frustrated trying to find a therapist and so started testing out concepts to make that process easier and more enjoyable for me, but also seeing um, if we could help others take care of their minds and emotional well-being. So it was yeah, about six months and then I took the leap to work on it full time. Okay. Gym for your mind. I friggin' love that tagline. I think it's brilliant. It says so much with so little and I love taglines and, you know, mission statements that can really capture it. You said you thought of this when you were like a kid. Tell me more about (laughs) the original idea for a gym for your mind. So I think it was when I was about 10 years old actually. And, uh, I was talking to an older cousin who I, uh, really admired at the time and really looked up to her. And we were talking about psychology and personality and how people have different personalities. And I was like, what is psychology? And she explained, you know, it's how we understand 
um, people's behaviors, how people make decisions, how people's personalities form. I'm like, wow, this is really fascinating. And I was like, well, where do people go to you know learn about themselves and take care of themselves? And she told me about mental institutions. And I was like, that's weird. These places seem like really scary. Why isn't mental health and taking care of our minds something that's fun and beautiful and as modern as physical health? And so when I was at that age, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a psychologist and I'm going to start a practice that is awesome and beautiful and has yoga inside of it and tea and meditation instead of these scary mental institutions and asylums. So that was a quite a long time ago. And I obviously ended up working in business and going into tech. But when I experienced my own frustration of wanting to take care of my mental well-being, that's when this earlier vision kind of surfaced and bubbled back up. And I was like, yeah, this is really time to now to now work on this. And execute on this idea. It sounds like you've had for a while. Yeah. I think a lot of people have been in that exact situation where they have this thing on the side that's like the thing they want to invest in. And they say, you know, I wonder what it'd be like if I could just work on my business full time and that be the number one thing on my mind. You know, you've just had that experience. Was it a significant difference in the growth and the momentum you were having in your business than you had it before when it was just like a side thing? I really think when something is your side project, it can be really energizing, but you're also managing this really complex balancing act of the mental context switching, bouncing between wanting to do really well at whatever your full-time job is, which which might actually be unrelated to the side project and your passion that you're working on, and then switching over to your side project. And I found eventually that context switch gets really taxing. And I personally hate doing things half-ass and half-energy. And it can be really hard to find the energy to work as effectively on a side thing if you're also working 10-hour days at your job. So I realized that once I started working on ORCID full-time, I had so much more space and energy to both execute on the business and so therefore grow it, but also the space to think longer term and more strategically about the mission, about the business, what was working, what wasn't working, and where I wanted it to go. I also didn't have this like identity crisis. So when you're out at like a networking event and people are like, what do you do? And you have a full-time job and you have your side project, you kind of take a moment like, well, which one do I talk about and which one do I identify with? And I found that a little bit taxing as well. And I felt like I was doing a little bit of a disservice to the company I was working for by wanting to really talk about my side project when I was out networking and meeting people. I especially like the part that you were saying around the mental, what did you call it? Kind of jumping from one to the other? Yeah, context switching. It's Context switching. Yeah, it's... I mean, this can happen in it, like it happens at work too. Like even if you're just focused on, you know, one mission, one company, often we're bouncing from being in a meeting to then having to like build a spreadsheet or build out a marketing campaign. And that context switching can be really exciting because you're activating your brain on different things, but it can also be really taxing. And I find context switching is even more taxing when you're, you have a side project that you're really passionate about but you also have a full-time job to worry about. And so you just kind of can lose lose energy and lose effectiveness when you're not working on your, your side passion and your side thing full-time. Mm-hmm. I find I just go into execution mode. Like I can't do any like deep strategic thinking or planning or creative work when I'm just so busy and have so many things. Like I'm just trying to stay alive and just like get things off the checklist and, you know, deliver almost satisfactory work, like maintain my reputation, like maintain the level of my growth of my brand. And I can notice I don't feel like I'm growing. I'm really just 
just keeping up. And exactly. that's a tough feeling when you're ambitious and similar to you, like, I don't want my half ass into everything. Like effort is attractive. I'm all about going all in. You want to put your full ass into stuff if you can. So 100%. Cool. Well, congrats on a yeah. full year of putting your yeah. full ass into Orchid. From your perspective, how do you define self-care? I think self-care is understand really taking the time to understand what we need to be happy, healthy, and in the best working condition. And so really what that translates to is like, how do we take care of our bodies and our minds? And this is self-care. And I think when we think about self-care and thinking about those words self and care, taking care of something means to treat it right so it can sustain itself over time. And so from that, self-care activities should be the things that we do to really sustain ourselves and grow over time. How do we build sustained strength so that we can function and feel at our best? And there's a whole slew of things that fit into that, right? Relaxing is one way. But working on our self-awareness and our own understanding, eating well, exercising, all contribute to keeping ourselves in the best working condition and figuring out what keeps you at the state where you're feeling the best. And so this is how I think about it. And it goes back to, I don't know, have you heard of like a growth mindset, growth Mm -hmm. versus fixed mindset? Mm -hmm. So I really believe and adopt a growth mindset in life. And I try to try to use that in kind of all aspects of my life from work relationships to my own personal development. Um, And so I'm assuming we all want to grow and be the best version of ourselves, right? And so taking that time for ourselves so that we can continue to grow is really what self-care should be about. And so for me, I go to therapy to reflect on my thoughts, my feelings, areas that I want to improve on, but I work out as well because that keeps my body strong. I take myself on take myself on solo dinners at least twice per month because that makes me feel really good and really independent. Um, so these are all things that help me decompress and, and reflect. And so doing these things that keep me continuously working on becoming the best version of myself and feeling really good while doing it. I know that sometimes self-care can also just mean treating yourself similar to how you said, you know, going out for dinners alone. What about if treating yourself looks like a glass of wine or a piece of chocolate cake, which, you know, sometimes that's actually counter um, productive to you. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because sometimes that feels like self-care to me. Totally. And I think relaxation is a huge part of self-care. So if we were to like put, for me, if I were to put self-care activities into buckets, I would put relaxation as a major bucket. And so that's things like having a glass of wine to decompress, going out for dinner, having that piece of chocolate cake when you feel like it. Um, but the other ones are around, you know, reflection and strength and growth and keeping yourself, keeping your body and your mind healthy. And I think it's everything in moderation. And so if drinking wine once a week is a way that keeps you motivated and keeps you feeling good and you use it as a reward for working hard, then that's amazing. But I think it's also figuring out like how many glasses of wine is optimal, <laughs> optimal self-care. And like, I love, I love wine, especially living in California. I've become pretty obsessed with the wines out here, but I also recognize that sometimes, you know, in overindulging in the relaxation part of self-care while feeling, well, that feels good in the short term. That doesn't make me feeling good long-term or make me feel like I'm, I'm, working toward my goals as effectively. And so, I mean, this is a common cliche, but it sounds like everything in moderation, including Mm -hmm. self-care. Okay. But I think there's another point I want to make is I think there's this kind of 
commercialization of self-care where it's all about relaxation. Um, but sustainable self-care, I think it requires some amount of work because if we think about self-care as, again, keeping ourselves in the best working condition, so we we are at our best, we feel our best, we feel healthy, our minds are healthy, but we also feel like we have that time to relax, it, it, that can require some work and require some reflection. Taking care of ourselves is not always easy. And so that's why I think there's there's this balancing act and, and moderation when it comes to self-care and how we think about it. And what has that journey been like for you in terms of the reflection piece and figuring out, you know, what works for you? Has this been a gradual investment in your mental health or self-care? Was there a specific incident that you'd be comfortable talking about where you really feel woke to this and really wanted to allocate more effort to, you know, determining what that looks like for you and how you're going to invest in it? Yeah. So I've always been passionately curious about the mind or emotions and human behavior, as I alluded to earlier, kind of when I had that moment when I was 10 years old, but I didn't really know how to take action to improve my own emotional health. And so it was really when I moved to San Francisco from Toronto um, in 2014, I I was starting to work a lot, starting to kind of, you know, really get into that glorified grind that is working for a startup and working in tech. But after a couple of years, I noticed I was feeling increasingly stressed, anxious, burnt out, and really reactive to my emotions. And I felt like I didn't have control over how I felt. And so it was almost like being a reactive slave to my emotional experiences. Um, And so there was triggers that would happen that made me feel frustrated, sad, defensive, insecure. And I was like, why do I feel this way? I, I don't feel in control. And then I realized like, hey, I actually have agency over my emotional well-being and I can choose how I react to things. I can work on my emotions, both to understand them more, but also to manage them. And so when I realized that we can work on our emotions and how we feel, um, it felt like downloading a superpower. I began Mm -hmm. to feel more in control, less anxious, less triggered, less defensive, less stress. And as a result, my relationships improved because I could communicate how I was feeling better versus coming across as like this big frustrated defensive mess. And so that's really when I started to think about how do I take care of myself so I can be, feel happy, feel my, like my best self versus like having a fluctuating mood day to day. And so specifically, I started practicing something that's called cognitive behavioral therapy, which basically teaches you that your thoughts inform your feelings, which inform your actions. And then guess what? You have control over all of these things, starting with your thoughts. And so if you have a negative or frustrated thought, you can reframe it. And so this was really one of the best mental tools that I learned, and it completely changed how I live and how I interact with others. And I I feel a lot more agency because of it. Um, and that just stemmed into a whole, like, how do I, how do I take care of other things? Like beyond my mind, how do I work on my body? How do I make intentional decisions about how I spend my time? What make, what gives me energy? I think that's a huge part of self-care too, is like, what makes you feel alive and gives you the energy to achieve your goals. And for me, that one of those things is like self or solo dinners, taking myself on solo dinners twice per month makes me feel so good. For a number of reasons. And, and that's just something that now I've built a habit around and I do and consistently and it's a ritual. I'm still kind of learning what self-care means to me. I'm a very action-oriented person. And so, you know, doing things has never been the issue. But now for me, I want to figure out, okay, you know, doing things that aren't 
outcome based (laughs) and, you know, doing things just because that feels good, not because, oh, if I do this, you know, I'm going to be skinnier and that's why I want to go to Pilates Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I go on these walks, it's because of I want to be able to listen to my podcast and I'll be smarter. Like non-outcome based activities is something I need to work on. What advice or resources would you recommend to someone who is similarly at the beginning of this journey? Yeah, I love what you said there too. And I just want to comment on that around not being so outcome-based with the activities that we do for our self-care because I completely agree with that. And it's really like, what are the things that make us feel more free? And often that's going for a walk and not worrying about like, well, is this walk really like helping me being like super, super analytical about it. It's like, no, I'm going for a walk because I feel good and trusting the intuition and the intuitive sense that going for a walk makes you feel good. And therefore that's going to have some sort of compounding effect on your well-being over time. And so I just love what you said uh, around that, but yeah, practical tips. I mean, there's this tactical one that, that I do every night or try to do every night and it's really simple and it's just a five minute reflection I find sometimes people like, oh, you should meditate and that's really helpful. And I believe in meditation, but I personally find it really hard at first. And so something that I do is five-minute reflection, and it's just three simple questions. At the end of every day, I ask myself, what is something amazing that happened today? And that amazing thing can be as small as you got to catch up with a friend to a bigger thing, like you want a new customer. And it really just gives yourself the time to reflect on like, what am I grateful for today? And what's something that awesome that happens? The second thing I ask myself is what is something I could have improved on today? So did I get defensive in a meeting? Did I rush through something? Did I skip my workout? And really taking time to kind of understand where the the areas that I could improve. And then the third thing is what did I learn today? And that third one is kind of you could customize that question. But for me, um, I really love learning. It gives me energy. And so rather that's just reading an article about something or actually learning something through execution. Um, I reflect on that each day. And so thinking about for yourself, if there's like a five minute reflection you could do, that's really about you and how your day went, I think is a really easy, low friction place to start. And it's free, and which it's, is always and it's great. Free. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I think I steer away from recommending like apps or tools or, or t- like tech based solutions, because I find the nature of, of apps, they, they are prescriptive quite prescriptive. And while they can be really effective for some people, they're often not one size fits all. And self-care isn't one size fits all either. And so I think I kind of just going back to like real world solutions, like journaling or just a simple reflection, you don't even have to write this stuff down. It could just be something that you think about before you go to bed. Like, and, and then you have that thought in your head. That's it. Thinking about the particular audience for this podcast show, freedom seekers, entrepreneurs, freelancers, remote workers, I have my own reasons why I wanted to kind of create this episode and why I think self-care is so important for this audience. But from your perspective, you know, why are what are you seeing as the reasons this audience is, you know, should be investing in their wellness? What do you think they can get out of it? Um, why do you think this is relevant to my particular community? I think when you're building a business, you're taking a really awesome but big step in your life where you have to have the confidence, but also the resilience because there's going to be ups and downs, especially as a solo entrepreneur. You deal with rejection. You deal with the highest highs and the lowest lows. For me in the last year, I've, I've really experienced that roller coaster ride. And you also need to have a lot of self-discipline. And so it's a incredibly exciting, but can also be a really stressful time. 
And I think when we really understand ourselves better and what we need to keep ourselves feeling at our best through, you know, self-care activities, whether that be working out, going to therapy, doing yoga, taking yourself on a solo dinner, whatever it is for you, um, it's incredibly important as a solo entrepreneur to have a good understanding of that. Otherwise, you are, there is a risk of just going down a path where it leads to burnout. And entrepreneurs in particular are 30% more likely to experience uh, bouts of depression because it's this you're, you're tying so much of your identity to your business. And if you don't have the right mental tools to take care of yourself and really separate those things, it could be risky on your mental health and well-being. The second reason is if you're building a team and you're a founder or CEO, you're setting the ethos of, of tone for the entire company. And so the more self-aware and emotionally healthy you are, the better off everything and everyone in the company will be because there's a huge trickle effect for a company from a self-aware and emotionally healthy CEO. And so for those two reasons, I think self-care, taking care of your mind, taking care of your mental health and your emotional state is super important. Mm -hmm. You're really playing the long game here with this. If you're, if you're motivated to follow the freedom lifestyle because you want to be free, because you've decided that you want an alternative to a nine to five, there's so much emotional connection associated with making it work that I've personally experienced where I failing meant, you know, my freedom would be taken away. And so if you're looking at entrepreneurship or freelance from that perspective, like you really want to build a foundation that you can actually sustain this model. And it's so, it's so tempting to just get caught up in the sprint and just get caught up on making quick decisions and the grind and just doing whatever it takes to make it work because there's such an emotional, almost desperation sometimes, mm -hmm. at least from my personal experience of not wanting to work for someone else. Yeah, exactly. I think you you hit the nail on the head because there's a fear there. It's kind of what you were hitting on is like, okay, I'm doing this. I want to be free. I want to you know, make my own decisions. I want to be autonomous in how I make money and how I spend my day and what I choose to work on. And then there's this kind of looming fear of like, if this doesn't work, shit, like I'm going to have to find a job and like lose my freedom, which is really scary and can cause a lot of, for me, that it causes a lot of anxiety. I'm scared of the same things. Totally. And so- yeah, it goes back to that point earlier around like sustain, like how do you sustain yourself through these times? Mm, I love it. The timing for this episode is also so great. You know, it's end of the year. People are thinking about resolutions and rituals and are, you know, hopefully taking some extra time to just be cozy and with family and fill themselves with nice things. So I'm so glad this episode is coming out around that time. And hopefully it'll be an inspiration for freedom seekers as they navigate 2019, as they navigate their freedom. Um, and so the question is, what is your 2019 look like? What's next for Orchid? Where do you want to take your freedom lifestyle? I'm really excited. I've been in San Francisco for almost four years, but um, kind of tied to the, the geographical expansion of Orchid is kind of the geographical expansion of, of me and where I get to live and places I get to visit. And so I will be moving around a lot in 2019, which I'm really excited about. And just the opportunity to experience new cultures, new cities, new places is something that really energizes me and is a kind of a form of my own self-care as well. 
just being really mobile. Amazing. Well, we'll definitely follow along on all of those adventures and include lots of links in the description for this of where people can find you and how they can sign up for a pop-up uh, clinic of yours because yeah. I know you yeah. come to Toronto and various parts of Canada, which most of my mm -hmm. listeners are from. So we'll definitely make sure awesome. that that's available. Cool. Great. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Alexa. It's been great to get your perspective. I'm feeling extra good and ready to take on 2019 and think about sustaining my freedom. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. This has been so much fun and I'm looking forward to hearing the episode. Next, we'll hear from Kaylee Reed, the host and producer of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a series of interviews and personal reflections around mental health, entrepreneurship, social media, and of course, self-care. Kaylee launched this series after a three-year stint in non-stop startup grind, previously running a retail brand that was helping break the stigma of mental health through fashion. Let's dig into Kaylee's story now. Kaylee, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. It's so exciting that we're finally able to do this. I figured out how to have a remote call and remote interview, and finally I can have you on the show. So thanks for sticking with me while I sorted this all out. Yeah, of course. And you're taking this call today. Are you still in LA or Santa Monica or, or where yeah. are you? Yeah, I'm in Santa Monica. I've been here for just a few days and I'm only here for a few more days, um, but just a bit of like a relaxing vacation. Amazing. No, good for you. I've been following you on social media now for I think about a year, maybe six months to a full year. And I know how important it is for you to you know, be outside and in nature and you're always doing cool hikes and near mountains now that you're out west. When you were thinking about kind of transitioning to this next chapter of your life that we're going to talk about, how important was travel to you on that pros list? So I had been living in Montreal for a full year prior to moving back to Alberta, which is where I grew up. And when I was younger, I never thought I would ever want to move back to Alberta because when I like I was growing up there, I think I just wanted to get away uh, as soon as I could and travel and do all these amazing things and live in a big city. And so when I was finally living in Montreal, um, I realized like how much I loved living in the big city, but that it was also kind of inhibiting to travel because the price of living was a lot more expensive than it was in Calgary, for example, where I'm living now. Uh, so one of the decisions that I came to when I decided to move back to Calgary was like, I can live in this place where I'm close to family. Um, I can have a low cost of living, a really great lifestyle. But with that, I can actually afford to travel to the places that I love a lot more especially LA because it's so close to Calgary. So it's definitely a factor in, in making that decision. Yeah. So being able to travel a lot and make that a priority in your lifestyle, I know today's conversation is going to be a lot about self-care and well-being. And I know sometimes when I'm on the move often, that can be the first thing to go. Do you feel like you've mastered it and have routines and rituals or is that still mm. something you're kind of figuring out? Interesting. Um, well, when I'm traveling, I find my self-care is totally different than when I'm at home. And I do have a bit of a routine at home. Like I kind of spend my mornings the same way every day. Um, I get into a specific work routine. When I'm traveling, I think because for me, travel is self-care that I just feel like the entire thing 
I'm taking care of myself. Like I I don't necessarily stick to a fitness routine or a specific like wake up routine. Like I don't set alarms when I travel. I haven't set alarms this entire week. And I think it's just because I'm already in that mentality. But I know for some people like it's very draining to travel, especially if, if you have anxiety. Um, I know a lot of friends that get travel anxiety and they get really overwhelmed traveling. And so there is this need to really practice self-care more. But maybe I'm just, I'm, I don't know, I might be a, a rare breed that, that doesn't feel that way. <laughs> Yeah. Not setting an alarm is amazing. And I love that you said travel is self-care because I can completely relate to that. And I guess when you think about this transition you've just made, the way you and I met, you know, we were both running retail businesses. Mm -hmm. And when you think back on kind of that first business that you had, I think you started it when you were 20, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was such a baby. Oh my God. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. (laughs) I know, right? But you also probably learned so much so quickly than if you had gone a different route. So I was researching kind of a little bit about you to kind of up my knowledge about Kaylee for this interview. (laughs) And I read that you said that that first business was both the best and the worst thing on your mental health. I was wondering if you could kind of elaborate on that because I think that so many entrepreneurs can relate to those polarizing feelings. Like what was that experience like for you? Absolutely. Uh, So when I started my first business, I was still in university. I was 20 years old and I was recovering from an eating disorder and I had struggled with my mental health for a long time, basically throughout all of university, but honestly, probably before that too. It just... I think went undiagnosed for a long time. And when I started this business, it started as a passion project and it started as kind of a creative outlet and a way for me to talk about my mental health um, in a positive way because the business was really oriented around blending mental health and fashion and creating a lot of awareness and giving back to different mental health charities. And so it became the thing that kind of pulled me out of my depression and pulled me into this inspiring mood, I guess, that I would wake up every day and be excited to do something and be excited to work on something. And in, in turn, I improved my mental health because I had this thing that was driving me to be better. By the end of it, uh, about three years after running the startup full-time, it had kind of become the exact opposite, which was really interesting and pretty ironic, Uh, but it really had become the worst thing for my mental health in the sense that it was incredibly stressful to run this business, to manage a team, to have the financial pressures, the emotional pressures, I think the self-pressure that entrepreneurs put on themselves uh, to create something that is the next best thing and that can scale and all of these lofty ideas. Um, And so I actually got to a point where I was just really burnt out from being an entrepreneur and running a startup. And I did decide to leave the startup because of that and because it was just like taking such a toll on my mental health. And I think I just had a moment where I I stepped back at one point and I was like, I started this because it was uh, the best thing for me at that point. And now it's not doing me any service. And I'm the type of person that really has learned to prioritize myself and my mental health um, 
and in that case, above my business. And so that's kind of what pushed me to step away and to move into a totally different lifestyle, which is now this this freelancer life. When you were deciding what you're going to do next and kind of reinventing yourself, if if that's what you would call it, I saw that you gave yourself a couple months to just Mm -hmm. breathe and to just figure it out. I think so many people can relate to that. They put so much of who they are into their business and then it either ends or they walk away from it and it's still going and they have to kind of watch that business happen without them on Instagram. What was that process like for you? Did you have like a framework around, okay, this is how long I'm going to give myself to chill and figure it Mm -hmm. out? Or what do you remember kind of about that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no framework. <laughs> um, I actually, I don't really, I, I don't know if I've ever really talked about this too much, um, either on my podcast or at all. But when I left my startup, I actually had a job offer at another startup, basically immediately when I left. Um, and it kind of happened concurrently. And that was another part of the reason why I moved to Montreal. And I basically took this job offer right away because I was like, wow, it's so amazing that I literally have just decided to leave my startup and already there's a great offer on a table with another startup and they see the value in me from what I've learned. And so I jumped right into that and it was a tech startup. And I realized like very, very quickly, like within weeks, that it was not what I was passionate about or interested in at all. But I think I jumped into it because I was so afraid of not having the next thing. And so I quit that job very quickly. And at that point, I went home for Christmas. I went home to my parents' house and I didn't book a return flight. (laughs) I ended up staying at my parents' house for three months and basically not doing anything other than feel sorry for myself and like mourn this startup that I had just left because I felt like so much of my identity was tied to my business. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel that way, particularly when you're still in that startup phase and things start to grow and people really associate you with your business and your business with you. And I just went through kind of like a depressive state of questioning whether or not it was the right decision Um, And also wondering like what I was going to do next. I was going to top this because for some reason that's maybe, you know, something that young people go through. It's like, okay, what's next and what can I be more successful at? Mm -hmm. Upping the ante and like doing something even bigger and better for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's a silly pressure. It's, (laughs) um, It's unnecessary. But I felt that way for a couple months, and that was when I started my podcast, Self Care Sunday. And it again started as a passion project and started as something that I just—it truly was my self care to have conversations like this one and uh, conversations like the ones I was having with my female friends about dating and about work and life and mental health. From there, I just started getting inquiries to freelance from people within my network. Um, I was really hush hush about leaving the startup for quite a while until I actually made a public announcement like months later. And when I actually started speaking publicly about it, I realized how many people saw value in the skills that I had learned and the experience that I had. And I basically started accumulating freelance clients that way from people reaching out to me and have built a client list ever since. And so it happened very organically and it wasn't something that I specifically said, I'm going to go after this freedom lifestyle and become a freelancer for X, Y, and Z reasons. 
But now that I'm in it, I see how it aligns so much with my lifestyle and my values. And I'm really grateful that I can be that I can be doing this work and and be anywhere. Mm, that's so interesting because that's so similar to how my kind of freelance offering started and how much the podcast kind of helped put me in conversations and positioned me as someone who's, I guess, available for work mm-hmm. and helped plant that seed in other people's heads without me having to, you know, push and sell myself too much in the traditional way. I think a lot of people who want to become freelancers, they think, okay, I need to build a website. I need business cards. I need to go networking events. I need to go like sell myself on this thing. And yeah, it can happen so much more organically when you're coming from a bigger place of why. I had in my startup career really prioritized work. And so it's interesting because when I started taking on freelance clients, I basically made a promise to myself to only take on work that I really loved or to only work with people that I was really interested in working with. And so there's a lot of times like when I was first starting out that I was not making very much money, to be honest, but I was being able to spend a lot more time with my parents, with my sister, with my best friend. And that to me was kind of worth the trade-off. And now that things have kind of become a little bit more busy and hectic and crazy again with work, um, it's something that I'm constantly having to remind myself of. It's like, okay, I chose this kind of work because I really do prioritize spending time and spending quality time with people that I love and I don't want to be consumed with my work 24-7. So how can I make the right decisions and find the right clients and say yes to only the right things so that I do have that balance? When you think about kind of processes and rituals that you've implemented in your life over this last year to kind of reflect that commitment, you've mentioned the bubble bath, you've mentioned, you know, how you make money and how you think about that as a tool for self-care. What are some other ways you think about it that maybe can inspire someone who's listening to this who, you know, is woke to the idea that they need to invest in their personal wellness, but isn't really sure how. Maybe they've always been a very, you know, action-oriented person where they're very outcome-based. Self-care is a bit harder to measure. So Mm. what kind of advice would you give to someone from your experience? Well, one thing that I found really interesting this year was picking up hobbies again. Because I think as an adult, it's really easy to not have hobbies. It's really easy to just focus on work relationships and then spend any spare time Netflixing or scrolling on Instagram or whatever. Um, And so this year I actually kind of started that podcast as a hobby and as something that was not work-related, that didn't have any ROI attached to it. It was like purely a personal project. And I think that's something that particularly people who feel the need to constantly be busy and constantly work. And maybe that's like a reason why self-care is not always a priority. Having some sort of like personal project that could be translated into work, but you let it just live as a creative outlet, that for me has been really big. And I've heard you mention that on your podcast before, how you really want it to be something different than a business. And, you know, if you miss a week, the odd time, you try not to be too hard on yourself. And I think it takes a lot of courage to do that, especially if you have a reputation for, you know, building businesses and putting out all this incredible work and people are always, you know, looking up to you to be perfect (laughs) almost, I think. 
that can be really tough. So I think it takes more people like you who, you know, people admire and look up to to say, you know, here's are my imperfections and here's in the ways that I let myself relax a little bit and and here's how I practice that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not fooling anybody. <laughs> like I am not perfect by any means. And, you know, the podcast is only one little outlet that shows that there's been so many times that I miss weeks or I upload it like literally midnight on Sunday, not midnight on Saturday. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> like, no, nobody's going <laughs> to die. Like, that's the thing is I think I just put – I used to put so much pressure on myself. And it's very different when it's actually a business versus a personal hobby or a project. Um, but that translates so much into our personal projects, I think. And I just got to a point where I was like, if my self-care Sunday is stressing me out, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> I know a lot of other businesses, like any trend or movement, they've come into the space and they've created products, whether it's technology tools or, you know, self-care subscription kits or, Mm -hmm. you know, fashion brands around that. What is your take on the business behind self-care and... Mm. (laughs) Well, I love a lot of those businesses, to be quite frank, because I purchase from a lot of them and I do consume certain things as part of my self-care like how I just mentioned bubble baths and skincare for me is really big self-care and so I'm obviously purchasing from brands to have those experiences um but it definitely has become something that's like very buzzy and trendy right now I don't think there's a ton of authenticity behind every every new product, every new brand, you know, it's part of this new marketing bandwagon, kind of like the whole feminist space as well has become very overcrowded with, you know, consumer products, which is really interesting because it's kind of antithesis to everything that these movements stand for. Um, And I thought about monetizing Self-Care Sunday in very different ways um, because I started percolating this idea years ago when I was in the middle of uh, running my other startup. And, you know, I thought about subscription boxes. I thought about uh, clothing and many different things. But at the end of the day, I just kind of realized like my personal values are really not aligned with a lot of this like constant consumerism and particularly fast fashion. I'm someone who literally has like 10 pieces of clothing in their closet. And that's like all I wear for half the year. And then I get 10 new pieces. Um, And I just realized it wasn't a business model that was going to be authentic to me. And, you know, I've I had a past boyfriend who was like very business minded and he was like, oh, but you could make so much money and this would be so great and you could scale it and you have the experience. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if it would make me that happy, to be honest. Like I'm much happier just doing things as I am right now. So no, this whole trend is really interesting. I think it's only going to grow. Um, I think this is kind of just the beginning and it's going to be a growing trend that's very similar to like the fitness and wellness trends that just passed us. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how much authenticity maintains in this industry. How are you thinking we're about to start a new year, which comes with a lot of pressure, but also a lot of opportunity? How are you thinking about the new year? Well, I'm I'm really excited for the new year. I I learned recently, and I don't know if you're into astrology at all, but I really am. (laughs) 
and only in the way that I think it's like so interesting and fun. And we've been in some sort of retrograde basically all year, like different planets. We were in Venus retrograde a couple, like a month ago. We're in Mercury retrograde right now as we're recording. And I think as of tomorrow or the next day, it's it's one of the next two days, um, we're finally out of retrograde. And that basically means that like the universe is normal again and retrograde kind of like messes up our communication and everything is just misunderstood and weird things happen. And so I'm really interested to see how this last month of the year is because it's basically going to be the only month of the year that we're not in retrograde. And this sounds so like hocus pocus, but I don't even care. (laughs) Well, now I'm excited for this final month of non-retrograde. I wouldn't say I'm an astrology expert, but I'm definitely very close friends with people who are. So I get to hear a few things every now and then, and that sounds promising. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. It's been so nice to hear more about self-care and how someone who spends a lot of time thinking about it and living it, how we can think about that too. Thanks so much, Sam. Thanks so much for listening to episode 28. This is the longest episode I've done yet. And I think it's super awesome that it's about self-care and not about business and growth and numbers. And yeah, I think great vibes for myself, hopefully for all of you going into 2019. Two weeks from now, we'll be here again and we'll be talking about freedom through freelance, interviewing freelancers who were able to go out and take skill sets that they had and bring them into the market so that they can become independent contractors and, of course, ideally work on their own terms. See you in two weeks. Enjoy your freedom.